Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to Episode 7 of Broadway Talks, where I sit down with Broadway stars and discuss the magic that is theater. In this episode, I'm joined by Ben Fankhauser, a Broadway legend, who you folks probably know as Davey from Musies. Hi, Ben. Hey, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Excellent. Thanks. Perfect. So for those of you who don't actually know who Ben Fankhauser is, firstly, he is awesome. But more than that, he is very, very talented. So from going to Ithaca College to being Davy and Musies on Broadway to the National Tour of Beautiful. I mean, I just really want to know where this love for the arts began that led to so many amazing things. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, um, I will say it stems back to probably when I was 11 years old. My mom put me in um, a theater day camp and we did a show at the end of the semester, or at the end of the summer. And um, I think, you know, looking back on it, it was my, the first time my young self felt safe to be like too big or too loud, too joyful, too goofy um, on stage in front of people. And it was celebrated. And I thought, wow, there might be something here of like the idea that I'm, I'm safe on stage. I'm safe to like be my whole authentic self on stage. I, I think I even felt safer on stage than I did in real life, which is interesting. And uh, not only that, I found the theater to be, um, to feel like a home, you know, and uh, uh, not only, you know, an escape for me in some ways on stage, but a home. And um, I remember just making really close friends. And I remember that we all worked really hard together to make this one thing happen, you know, for this one moment in time. And I just thought that was magical. And I, and I wanted to make sure I was a part of that forever. And do you remember what that first show was? Yeah, it was, um, it was uh, probably like Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Ironically, I think that same summer, we also did like a mini production of Newsies based on the movie. Because yeah. the movie had come out, this was, this was probably in 1990, I don't know, 96 or something like that. 1996, yeah. So I, I was probably, no, this might've been 1999 for me personally. The movie had just come out a few years ago. The counselors were obsessed with it. And so they wanted to make the little kids do a version of it. And that's what they did. And it was so fun. And um, yeah, again, the camaraderie, you know, um, everybody coming together for a common goal that, that really spoke to me. Yeah. And I think that's the whole point of theater. You know, it's that whole sense of community and just that working together to create this huge magical thing, whatever it turned yeah. out to be. So, yeah, totally. so you said that you actually did a mini production of Newsies and that's so funny because you went on to meet the original Broadway cast of the Broadway right. show. So do they just pick out scenes from the movie mm-hmm. and you guys kind of just acted them out? Do you remember who you played? Yes, I played Crutchy. And, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and there's some f- home footage of me, like some home video footage of me, uh, like using a metal crutch that I got from like CVS and I had a buzz cut and I was like, my voice was unchanged. And I, um, the counselors made up scenes from the movies, you know, like they took dictation, they would watch the movie and take dictation. And mm-hmm. maybe they even threw in some of their own stuff. And um, yeah, I, I always think that's very ironic that I went on to do, you know, newsies for real. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of like your big break almost was also the same thing that started your whole yeah 
passion. Yeah, it's so, kind of funny. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. So now, how did you actually go and book the job of playing Davy? Was I mean, was Newsies? Now, actually, I want to start with: was Newsies originally meant to go on Broadway, or was it one of those shows that started as one of those regional things and then mm-hmm. made its way to Broadway? Yeah, that's exactly right. So Newsies was being developed to uh, license, to license to schools and to theater groups, just like mine when I did my production of Newsies back in 1998. Disney wanted to develop a real licensable version so that they could um, capitalize on the royalties, you know? And, um, yeah. and because I think the show was, you know, sort of a cult classic and beloved, and um, they wanted to figure out a way to bring that to people. Um, so this production was to be mounted at Paper Mill Playhouse, which is in New Jersey, um, not too far away from New York City, which is where I was living at the time. And I had just graduated college, and uh, I actually heard that they were mounting a production of Newsies when I was probably my final months in school. And my friend has a memory of me like pointing to the flyer that they faxed out to all the colleges because they were looking for young guys. Um, My friend has a memory of me pointing to the flyer and saying, I'm going to be in that show. Now, this doesn't really sound like me because I don't really like to talk in sort of like, I don't know, to put all my eggs in a basket, you know, it doesn't really Mm -hmm. sound like me, but, but I, she says it and I sort of believe her. And I think that's a really fun kind of thing because, you know, there's something, I think there's something to sort of like manifesting to telling yourself something's going to happen and then just making it happen. I don't know. Um, But uh, yeah, so the show was being developed for uh, regional theater so that it could be licensed. I think the goal was, you know, at the very best, it might tour, you know, if it was really successful, they might send it on tour. In fact, um, if you remember sort of the set design from Newsies, it was these giant towers that moved back and forth. And I remember there was a big deal about they made these towers special so that they could tour. And yeah, and so that was sort of the end goal. And it was made very clear to me when I got the job offer that it, it, you know, it was like, this is not going to Broadway. This is not a pre-Broadway tryout. There's no negotiating power here. this is an offshoot. It's a, it's a one-off and sort of the tour stuff was rumor. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we opened in New Jersey in, I guess, over the summer of 2011. And um, oh boy, it's a long time ago now. And nine years. years. Wow. And um, yeah, it's sort of like we were just called to Broadway. It was like explosive. I mean, we had sold out performances and people were like hooting and hollering and people were coming from all over the country to see this beloved movie told on stage. And I think we knew pretty early on that we were doing a really successful job at, at that, um, translating a movie to the stage. Um, and I think it was sort of inevitable for Newsies because I think Newsies sings so well on the screen you know the story uh i think it's just like it was inevitable to come to the stage and so it it definitely felt like wow i've known this movie like nearly my whole life and now i get to be in like the first ever production of it how cool um it didn't really even cross my mind it might go to broadway and then it sort of like did it it snowballed so quickly quicker than i think like i than i can think of any show in the past like 10 years 
snowballing to Broadway, but um, Disney has a way of like being magical that way. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a little bit of, of the backstory there um, is that the show was, was not designed for Broadway. It was designed to license and it was designed to maybe tour. And um, we just saw this unbelievable success. And before we knew it, we closed a paper mill. Um, we had a spot at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And, you know, I think a few days before the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, there was a, leb- a website that went live, Newsies, the musical on Broadway.com. And that's when we knew like, oh my gosh, this might be like for real. Oh, so you guys didn't know before that website Correct. came up. So, you, so it just kind of happened without you guys even being fully aware of it. Even before, so I knew when we closed at Paper Mill, I knew that we were going to perform on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, but there was no explanation. So I was sitting there going, oh, okay, like, there's no way they're just doing a performance of a closed regional production, are they? I mean, maybe, you know, I, I didn't really know what to think. You know, I was right out of college. I I was um, 20, um, 20, probably 22. Yeah, I was probably 22 years old. You know, I didn't know, I had no expectations. It was such a great time in life because I didn't have expectations. <laughs> so I like wasn't able to like be let down. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so you said that you got that flyer for auditions for the Paper Mill Playhouse venue mm-hmm. um, in college. Mm-hmm. So how do you kind of feel that Ithaca College help you get where you are today? Like, do you think you would have found out about that audition if it wasn't for that flyer? Or... Oh, yeah. Um, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, probably. But to be, uh, to be frank, I didn't, it's not like I saw the flyer and then went to the open call, although that's yeah, what I was, I, I would have done. Um, it turns out that I actually missed all the open calls when I got to New York. Oh. I, I was probably a few weeks late. I was actually the last person cast in Newsies. They they couldn't find a Davy for a long time. And um, I think they were looking for like months even. Um, I'm not sure what happened. I'm not sure if they had someone and, the, and they dropped out or if they just couldn't find the right person or or, or what they were dealing with. But um, I I ended up getting the audition um, through my agent. So, so um, but all that to say, uh, I feel like Ithaca prepared me in a number of ways. Ithaca's really, um, I think, focused on um, to be broad, I suppose. Ithaca's really focused on their acting, and I guess acting through dance, acting through song, of course. But um, I think they really prepared me to create a, like a full-fledged character out of you know nothing but two audition scenes. Um, they, you know, I, I learned so much about story structure and like how to sort of be my own director and how to make artistic choices about my mm-hmm. own work. Um, yeah. And then in terms of the dance, uh, they also prepared me to like be able to do something like Newsies because I learned a lot about our dance history. And um, when you study history of anything, it gives you just a deeper appreciation of like the thing that it, you're doing. And um, I think it just gave me the confidence to go into my um, brief dance audition that I did have for Newsies with um, 
like a full sense of commitment. You know, even if I like couldn't get the steps, Ithaca is the kind of place that's like, even if you don't get the steps, like what's more important than getting the steps is like showing your heart and showing the story and like being really committed. And I think that's something that helps me um, yeah. with the dancing. And it's such like, a typical line, like type of thing, you know, everyone can sing, anyone can dance, but it's if you can tell the story through the craft, that's what really sets you apart. And that eventually is what gets you the job. That's right. And I, I had, you know, my sort of my acting coach in high school um, reminded me of that a, long, uh, a lot, which was that like, and, it, and he's right, which is that everybody in New York City can sing. Like everybody's better than the last person. It's kind of unnerving sometimes. <laughs> if, if, if you live in New York, if you've sacrificed enough to like be struggling and living in New York and trying to make it, chances are you're a knockout vocalist. You, you, I mean, you can't be any less than. And then it's like the people that are knockout actors as well that I think really like, you know, define the art form itself and are the people that are getting cast. But you know, sometimes um, casting is is based on like really whose essence is right for the role rather than who's got the best skill set or something like yeah, that. Yeah, of course. You know, of course, having a, a strong skill set is going to help you, um, but. You know, so ca casting is interesting, and there are so many available actors in New York and otherwise that when people are casting their projects, it seems to me that they ha they can get anyone they they can get the perfect person for the role. They just ha they have the numbers to choose from. You know, so it's it's never personal when you don't get a um, a role or a job. It's you know you got you think about it from their perspective of they've got a problem to solve, and if I had the same problem to solve. I'd want to be very selective as well. Yeah. And it's, you know. And so your audition probably happened nine, 10 years ago, since you opened nine years ago, probably around 10 years ago, you started the yeah. auditions. And so you said that you were actually the last person to get cast mm -hmm. in Newsy. So was your audition process kind of rushed in a sense? It really it was actually. Um, so I was cast probably, I don't know, like two months before we went into production, maybe even less. Oh, um, wow. And I think, you know, other people have had, had had their job offers for maybe half a year or so. And um, yeah, so my audition, it was the shortest audition I've ever had for a major production. It was two auditions, which is pretty rare. Like usually we're talking yeah. like you know, three or four. Although when I think back to Beautiful, one, two, three, I think maybe it was three or something like that. But um, yeah, my audition for Newsies was... Um, I, well, this is a fun story because I had an audition for a different show uh, called The Addams Family, which was yeah. going out on its first national tour in 2011, I believe. And um, I had an audition for that, which I prepared really well. And uh, I got a call from my agent later that day saying, so the casting director loved your audition for The Addams Family, although he, you're not exactly right for the show. However, he loved you and he thinks you might be right for a different show he's working on called Newsies at Paper Mill Playhouse. And I was like, wow, okay, great. So I like to tell that story because it's like when one door closes, another one opens. You know, I, I would have really never gotten in the room for Newsies had I not gone to a failed audition for The Addams Family. So I got this audition for Newsies um, probably, you know, like, Less than a week later, I was in a room um, with the casting director and probably some other people. It's a little fuzzy for me right now. And I went in, I did the material, and I got a call 
or no, maybe they asked me in the room, can you come back like tonight at like 6 p.m. and dance? So I, I went home, I picked up some dance clothes, I came back downtown, um, I went to this thing. There were probably like seven guys in this dance audition. When, you know, when you're having a dance audition, there's usually a ton of dancers, mm-hmm. but this was and like- a specific... Cut them off one by one quickly. Exactly, exactly. And this was a little bit of a different situation because I think they were casting Davy and Davy alone. So they were just looking for one guy, you know, and they could take more time with us and there was less people. And it just felt like an environment that I could really thrive in and not get mm-hmm. lost in the weeds. And um, that's when all that stuff about my training at Ithaca really stepped in. Um, I was able to learn the steps. I don't really think I missed any steps, but more importantly, I imbued. And I think what Chris Catelli was looking for was I imbued the steps with a sense of purpose, with a sense of acting, with a sense of story. And I think that's what he was going for with his choreography. And so then I got a call, um, you know, a few hours after that, maybe at eight or nine at night, maybe even 10 at night saying, can you come in tomorrow morning at 10 a.m.? for a final callback. And I said, of course. And yeah. I got there and it was me and like another guy. And uh, I went in and like all of Disney was there and Alan Menken and Harvey Firestein, oh, wow. the director so Calhoun. I mean, like, like it, biggest, it was a room for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a big, scary room. And like, honestly, thank God I was just out of college and 22 and fearless because if I, it, that happened to me now, I like, I know a thing or two now. So I, I would have been kind of quaking in my boots because that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. That's like a ton of pressure to be under. Because Alan so, Menken is the writer of the music of the show. So that's auditioning in front of yeah. the person who created the music. And he, not only did he create the music for Newsies, which was like enough as it is, like Alan Menken, I mean, he just got EGOT status. He's, he's such a legend. He wrote Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, Little Shop of Horrors, um, everything Disney hunchback of Notre Dame yeah I'm, I mean he's such a legend so I was just like wow 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 yeah. and Jeremy Jordan was in there and we had a chemistry read and um, and I got the phone call like an hour after that audition so I guess it took a long time to tell that story but it was all in all it was a quick audition process yeah so two that days. was what spanned like yeah exactly two days and mm-hmm. you booked such a huge thing you know without even yeah. knowing it at that time that's right and think about it, you know, like for them, they were just trying to solve the problem of finding a Davy. You know, it, maybe they had someone and then they lost someone or they, they just couldn't, you know, they were seeing people for months and the, it was just never the right thing. I don't know what it was. And then, um, you know, they just want to get this done. So on a Monday, here comes this kid fresh out of college, which is probably what they were looking for. And let's just get this done. Let's do it tomorrow on a Tuesday. You know, like if mm-hmm. you think about it in terms of problem solving, it's they were just happy to get it done. And I was yeah. happy to have a job. And it just worked yeah. out for everyone. Yeah, totally. So I want to talk about a little bit more about auditions in general. Like, did you have any really bad audition moments or even onstage moments in Newsies or any show where you were like, oh, crap, I can't believe yes. that just happened? Yes, a lot. I mean, that's, that's what you sign up for. <laughs> that's part of the yeah. gig. Um, I've, I had some, of course, some terrible auditions, um, like some just like mind-numbing, like confidence-breaking auditions. Um, none of which are like very interesting you know one I can think of I wrote the date wrong in my calendar I thought it was a week later and it turned out it was the next day and I like crammed I crammed I crammed and I showed up and I bombed because I wasn't prepared Um, so one thing about auditioning that I've that I've learned over the years is 
being prepared is kind of everything because there's so much in the room that's out of your control, including your nerves. You know, sometimes, sometimes the room is really warm, but you're just very nervous and you get in your own way. And so I just find that like being very, very, very prepared is my antidote to when that comes up for me. It's like, you know, maybe if I'm lucky enough and I know the sides so well that my brain will go on autopilot if I freeze up. That's sort of my, my hope, I guess. Yeah. But, um, and on stage mishaps, of course, you know, it's part of the gig. Um, anything I could, th- yeah, I've like, I've forgotten my lines once in Newsies um, that I remember pretty well. Um, you know, I like fell a few times dancing, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I did the show almost a thousand times, you know, it's, it's bound to go wrong. Of course, especially with so many things. I mean, especially the dancing and newsies and props mm. and, and all of that. It's such a big show in every aspect. Right. Yeah. Uh, my voice, you know, cracked, I'm sure, a bunch. Um, That's pretty typical for yeah, somebody who does a show a thousand a week, times. You know? yeah. 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 But it's hard, I'll tell you, you know, like when you're under a microscope like that and I have you know, my, my show, my two and a half hour show. And let's say, let's say I, I, I'm in an hour of it. Let's just say like all combined. And, um, you know, when, when two minutes of that hour goes really poorly, it's liable to screw up the rest of that hour in your mind. Mm -hmm. And like, so when you're doing the same show every day, it just becomes, you know, if you make one tiny mistake, sure. The audience might not notice, but it's, it's everyone around you and you notice. So it's, it's part of the it's part of the fun yeah. kind of thing. You got, you got to learn and to like laugh can, at that stuff. Exactly, you, you know. can laugh about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ten years later. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So now this is a question that I kind of ask everyone, but mm-hmm. what is your dream role? And I put that in like quote unquote because it could mm-hmm. be it's it's such a broad question. It could be TV, mm-hmm. film, Broadway tours. You know, you could even be on the creative side of everything, like a choreographer mm-hmm. or the music mm-hmm. director. Like, but if there's that one project where somebody was like, you can do it, but what's that one thing? That's such a hard question. I always say, I mean, I feel like this is such a cop-out, but I always say, kind of like what I said at the beginning, it's like, I've never been one to put my eggs in a basket. So it's almost like superstitious. It's like, it's like almost like I'm afraid that if I voice my dream out loud, then it will never come true. Even though I know that is garbage and not something to like follow, like we should be voicing our dreams out loud. We should be manifesting them. Um, but for some reason with the dream role thing, it's always had that sort of pressure on me. Um, yeah. That being said, I would love to direct one day. Um, I think that would be really great. Uh, I think it would make a good director. And um, another one of my favorite shows that really no one produce, it's hard to produce, um, but I think it's so beautiful and so moving is a show called Floyd Collins. It's like this little sort of indie off-Broadway musical. And it's about, um, this guy who discovered, well, he was like the first person in like Kentucky to like dig these caves. And he yeah. wanted to like build a sort of like a, almost like a carnival for people to come and visit. And I don't know, I just, I find that show so moving and I would just, I would love to do a production of it somewhere. I'd imagine it'd have to be done at like a small regional theater, but Maybe. sometimes that's my favorite kind of theater is like, theater that only exists in one moment in time for a small group of people. And it's like a beautiful piece of art that you either saw or you didn't. Um, you know, I also like, you know, I really like working on new stuff. So 
you know, knowing that there are some new roles out there that have yet to be written or that are currently being written. Yeah, that's a big thing for a lot of actors that I've spoken to in the past. They all say it's the best thing when you can create something for yourself. You don't have to follow a strict pattern yeah. or a set amount of rules. So, right, right. Yeah. yeah, I feel the same way. You know, that's like sort of the, the gift I was given with Davey, which was my first, well, it was my second big job, but it was... Um, I, I didn't know how special that was to be able to, you know, create your own character. And I got another sense of it when I did Beautiful again, but Beautiful was, you know, the role was already created and it was a Tony Award nominated performance that I had to sort of look to, to, to help me shape my character. And I definitely had my own say in shaping my own Barry man. But, you know, when someone does it before you, it's, uh, they've solved a lot of the problems. Um, exactly. You know, so um, another dream show would be Seymour and Little Shop. Oh, that's um, a great show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to say, there was like a couple years ago where I, I said Evan Hansen, just because I, I just was taken by the role in the show. But as I get older, yeah. I'm like, you know what? I, I think... I wouldn't want to do that show. It just yeah. would be really hard. It would be really emotionally taxing and vocally taxing. And mm -hmm. I think it's a job for like a spring chicken. <laughs> yeah. So we've talked about dream roles, but I want to talk about your favorite past production that you've been a part of, but you can't say Newsies. So sure, that's that, fine. That's fair. Um, <laughs> that's hard to say. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is Beautiful, the Carol King musical. I spent two years of my life doing that show. Um, another show that I did close to a thousand performances of, if not more. Um, so that, that comes to mind pretty quickly. Um, but you know, my first big job, like the thing that gave me my equity card and, and was my first big job was the first national tour of Spring Awakening in 2008. Nine, I joined the tour. I think the tour went out in 2008 and I joined in 2009. And I was 19 or 20, no, I was 20. And um, I just loved the show. I, th I think Spring Awakening really just spoke to people coming of age in a way that I'd never seen musical theater speak to people. Mm -hmm. And it was like a rock show. I felt like a freaking rock star. You know, we toured across the country. Um, it was that just was a very special experience for me because it was, again, my first professional job and I was performing yeah. for thousands of people when I was 20. And it was like, oh my God, this is my, this is what I want to do. Like, this is what I've always wanted since I was a kid. And now I'm doing it. I'm, I'm like on the road and going to a different city every yeah. week and like giving this city an amazing like world-class production it just it, it, there's nothing better than feeling like you're part of a, just a world-class one-of-a-kind production and that you're bringing broadway to people that might not get a chance to see broadway so that was a really meaningful production for me and other than that i can talk about some smaller shows that i've done that i've really enjoyed i love doing regional productions i love like going to a pocket of america and like sitting down there for a few months and like just being a local proprietor of art, you know, like uh, just, 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 um, and some shows that I've done regionally that I've really enjoyed. Um, last year or maybe two years ago, I did a play called I Hate Hamlet at um, Bucks County Playhouse in Pennsylvania. Nice. 
um, you know, small, probably 500 seat theater, very intimate, um, hilarious play, um, really fun. It, you know, that kind of thing feels like vacation, getting out of New York City, doing a play for people that just are so appreciative of the level of talent, the level of, you know, art and oh, um, yeah. just feeling like a guest artist feels, it just feels really nice. And um, another highlight for me was I did a production of An American in Paris. Oh boy, I have a lot of highlights. <laughs> I, have, I have one more highlight after this. So I did okay. American in Paris, which is um, a lovely show. And I played Adam Hochberg, a composer who's basically based on George Gershwin. And I'm a piano player myself. So anytime I get to play a piano player is really special for me because I feel a deep connection with that character. Barry Mann was the same way. He played piano and so do I. And I was like, I know this guy. And... Yeah. Um, Another highlight for me in terms of the regional theater was a show called Big River I did in uh, Sacramento, California. It's Sacramento Music Circus. And it was in the round, um, 3,000 seat house. And Big River is a, is a really special, um, a special show um, based on Huckleberry Finn. And um, yeah, that was a great experience. Yeah, it sounds really cool. So I, I want to touch back on the Spring Awakening tour. So you said you were about 20 when you did mm -hmm. that. So that mm -hmm. means you would still be in college during that time. Yes, so did you take yes. like a year off? Yes, or, that's right. Okay. I took a year off of college. I was supposed to be my junior year. I had all this stuff planned. I, I had a house that I was going to live in with my friends off campus. We, I was going to study abroad in London in the spring semester. And this opportunity came up in the summer leading up to my junior year. And... I thought, I mean, I, I can't, I have to do this. I, I, I cannot turn this opportunity away. And I called up the head of my department and I had a chat with him at the time, Lee Byron. And he was very encouraging of me. And he was like, we're gonna help you, you know, like come back to us when you're done. And we're gonna help you get credit and um, we're going to help you. And they did. And uh, so I did the tour for about a year. Um, we closed about the next summer in Orlando. And um, I went home and I went to community college for like two months and earned myself like 12 credits in, you know, maths and sciences. And then I went back to Ithaca and I finished my basically my junior and senior year in one year so oh, it was wow. a really jam-packed year i worked really really hard because i i did want to finish college i did want to have that sense of like i started something and i finished it i have a mm -hmm. college degree although i will say many actors you know don't go to college and i, I just want to throw out there that there's really no right way to do this you know like there's no wrong path um in terms of going to college um but for me it was something i wanted to to finish. Also, my mom wanted me to finish. And I, I went back and I took like 20 credits each semester and I got it done. That's crazy. Graduated on time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, so you did end up graduating on time. You didn't graduate yeah. really late. That's... No, I did it in four years. I did it in basically three years and a tour. Yeah. Four years. That's sounds Which, very Which, to be hard. honest, was like all the training I needed, you know, like the first two years of like fundamental acting 101 in college and then getting a chance to put it to use eight times a week and figure out how do I like, you know, what techniques work for me? Why is technique so important? You know, because if you think about it, you, when you're doing eight shows a week and let's say you show up on a Sunday matinee and your personal life is falling apart and you're very tired and you're just, you, you've got no joy left in you. How do you get up on stage and emanate joy perhaps? 
um, the way you do that is through technique. And that's um, what Ithaca prepared me for is like those days that you're really not feeling it, how do you look like you're feeling it? And that's really important as well. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you, do you get, so on tours, and you've mm -hmm. done two national tours, I believe, right? Spring yes. Awakening and Beautiful. That's so right. do you get to rehearse in the theater before you perform, or is it sometimes you just kind of go to the theater and then that's your first performance, or do you get to rehearse, or how does it work? Yeah, there's um, usually the schedule is as follows. Um, Monday is a dark day where you're usually flying to the next city. Um, so you'll get to the next city on like Monday afternoon, Monday evening. And then Tuesday, the crew has already been there, mind you. They've been setting up all day Monday and they set up, you know, all day Tuesday as well. And usually you arrive, the cast arrives on Tuesday about four o'clock for an orientation. You kind of check out the backstage, get acclimated with your dressing room. Um, and the cool thing about touring is that uh, once they put up the set, once you set foot on the set, it looks the same anywhere you go. You okay. know, the props, the props are always in the same place. Um, I, I know that when I exit stage left, I'll always encounter this set piece, that prop piece, et cetera, et cetera. Now, once you step off of that deck, that's when it's a little bit different. And some houses are very expansive in back and some are very shallow and, you know, have the theater walls close by. Yeah. So it, it's about, you know, just figuring out, walking your path backstage going, okay, is it going to take me one second to get to the stage or is it going to take me 45 seconds to get to the stage or two minutes or how far away from, you know. So we get there at four o'clock and then we have a sound check where we basically run all the big numbers in the show. I think, um, yeah, I would have to sing my big solo and a, a group number and uh, they would basically just sound check everybody. So we'd all throw on our microphones, it's four o'clock, everyone's either in their PJs or their sweats or whatever they, you know, and um, and that's it. We have a sound check. So there's no real rehearsal. It's just a sound check and then opening night. <laughs> yeah. So the main difference would be how you get from your dressing room or your backstage to the stage. Mm -hmm. It's not so much mm -hmm. on stage, which is the problem. Correct. Correct. On stage and even backstage, like the, I would say like the four or five feet that the audience doesn't see backstage is all the same always. Mm -hmm. um, and that show, beautiful in particular, had automation, uh, which means that there were mechanics under the stage to be able to make the set move on its own. And uh, that means that we had to have a deck that was about two inches, maybe four inches, you know, raised off of the actual stage level. Right. And so that deck came with us everywhere we went. So it was like, once you stepped up on the deck, it was the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so on the, so a lot of people find, well, a lot of the actors that I've spoken to before, I found that tours kind of keep them more comfortable almost because it's such a different environment. It keeps them on their toes, you could say, for a lot of the time. But mm. a lot of people also then say, no, we prefer performing in our own venue because we're so much more comfortable and so much more used to that. So where mm. do you kind of fare in that mm. sort of thing? Like, what's your preference and how do you feel about that? Well, um, my preference is to do a show at home. That's my preference. I, um, you know, it's so funny. Like Broadway is so at one, all at once glamorous and all at once not glamorous. Um, the backstage is very, very small across the board on Broadway. You know, these, these theaters are, are old, sometimes even a hundred mm -hmm. years old. They're very old. Yeah. So they're, they're small. It was, they were built for a different time. 
and that's part of what makes it so glamorous is like you have to be of the lucky few to have seen the show that night um but uh like i said like the backstage conditions are not glamorous and living in new york city is not glamorous um however there is something to be able to go to work and then come home and have a separation from your work life and your home life. And on tour, you don't really get that. On tour, your life is on tour. So you go and do the show, you go to work, and then, you know, if you want to hang out with friends, well, you need to make sure that your coworkers are also your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and that can get tricky when you're just spending 24 hours a day, seven days a week with the same people. Um, so that's the thing about touring is, is you're sort of detached from your own life. You're in a bit of a bubble. Um, but at the same time, touring is so fun because you get to see so many different places. And like I said before, you know, you get to bring something am- amazing to these local cities and um, you're making kind of, you're making a lot of money because you don't have an apartment, a very expensive apartment to pay for. Um, maybe you do, but I didn't. Um, I got rid of my apartment and, um, you know, I didn't have those sort of expenses. So that was nice. And um, the other thing is like, you know, when you're on tour a lot, you're, you're eating out at restaurants almost every day, unless you have a kitchen and you're committed to making your own food. When you're at home, you know, you can make your own food and you have your own routine. And on tour, it's like you're subject to the tour. You're, like your whole life exists for that tour. Um, so I guess my preference is to do a show at home. Although I'm someone who enjoys touring and, um, uh, but I'm, you know, not everyone enjoys it. It's, it's a tough life, you know? Yeah, of course. So final question, do you Mm -hmm. have any advice for people who want to be in the performing arts industry? Hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I do. I guess my first piece of advice would be don't let anyone tell you no. Um, and I think what I mean by that is, you know, if you have a gut feeling in your heart, in your bones, that you are called to this profession, and I'm not just talking about acting, I'm talking about dancing, writing, directing, designing, marketing theater. There are so many different facets of this business that I'm, I'm always trying to encourage people to follow their dreams. And, you know, there are so many transferable, you know, if you start out as an actor, there are so many transferable skills within the theater that we're desperate for, you know, writers especially and creative types, um, you know, like, like choreographers and, um, and fight directors and intimacy directors and all kinds of things. So, so I will say, like, don't let anyone tell you no. If you want something, you truly can have it. And I believe that because that's sort of how I felt. I was like just a boy in middle school dreaming of being on Broadway and I told myself that I could have it. And I think that gave me the confidence to be able to pursue it like full steam ahead. Yeah. And so, yeah, to those of you that, that are, I mean, and this, is, this message is for people that feel it in their bones that they want to do theater. This message is not for people that are like, I enjoy it. Maybe I could see myself doing it full time. So for, to those people, I would say, like, keep theater in your life as much as you are available, like as much as you can, you know, like if you're sort of a maybe about it, keep it around, enjoy it from time to time. Uh, but don't get into it as like a full-time profession, unless you believe in your heart that 
there is nothing else you'd rather be doing. Um, and I only say that because it's a very, very hard profession. I know I'm not the only one to say that. That's why everyone says don't get in show business because it is hard and it is heartbreaking. It's, um, you know, like my full-time job, well, before the pandemic, my full-time job was auditioning. That means my full-time job was receiving material with days to prepare it, dropping everything in my life to be able to focus on that thing, going in for two minutes to the room, bearing my soul, working as hard as I could, you know, in that two minutes, putting everything on the line and then getting told no. And then like sort of slinking back to my apartment and going about life as usual until that happens again. Yeah. Exactly. And, and maybe you're lucky if you get, I don't know, one out of 18 audition, you know, if you get one job out of 18 auditions, that's, I don't think that's a, a, a you know, a, a typical track record that feels sort of like my track record. So there's so much rejection and I just, I wouldn't want to put anyone through that unless what was on the other side of it was, was their dream. So all that to say, like, if you can, if you can dream it, you can do it for sure. Um, but just know that like, you know, only pursue this thing if, if you really, really feel it. And, um, I think those of you out there that really, really feel that know it's just this sort of like intuition of just like, I, I have to be in the theater somehow. And, um, again, there are other avenues other than acting, um, uh, which are worthy pursuits as well. Um, some of the, you know, I, I find that some of those creative positions start out as young actors and then they realize, Oh, I really want to be a director. Um, you know, I realized I could get my vision across much better as a designer or whatever. Um, and, yeah, so I would say don't let anyone tell you no because people will tell you no only because from their point of view, you know, like how can you make it in show business? And they're not wrong. It's like how literally how can you make it in show business? I mean, it's, it's a combination of having a great skill set. You have to have a great skill set and you have to get lucky. It's kind of one of those things. Um, and you just have to right be in the place, right, right. <laughs> exactly yeah. right place, right time. That is, that is for real. I mean, look at my journey with Newsies. If I would have moved to New York a week later and I would not have gotten that Adams Family audition, I would have not been in Newsies. It, it, you know what I mean? So it's, it's right place at right time. I mean, I could tell you, I, there's a great story about um, Brad Pitt um, getting his big break. He got a movie where he was like the fourth pick and the first three guys got sick or got unavailable. And he was like the only guy that could do it. And they like flew him out and he barely knew his lines and he improvised all his scenes. And he ended up giving this amazing performance and became Brad Pitt. And he would have never become Brad Pitt if he was like first pick for that movie. Mm -hmm. I think he attributes his success in that role to being able to improvise. And he would yeah. have ne never been able to improvise and be himself if he was first pick and was like sticking to the script. Yeah. You know, um, so, you know, it's, life is crazy, but it's, you know, I, I just got to tell people, don't, don't let anybody tell you no, because people will. And it, if you know deep down in your heart that you want to do this, you know, like, you don't need to wait for permission. And that's another thing with this business is when you're an actor, your life is about waiting for permission to do your work. And that is a hard thing to reckon with, especially as I get older and I get more independent, it, it gets a little more preposterous that I'm like, so you're telling me I can't do, like perform my artistry unless you tell me it works for your show. Exactly. 
it's it's yeah. a tough pill to swallow and um and anyone that feels like they can handle that please we've been waiting for you we welcome you we <laughs> we want you like we're we're ready for the next generation um i remember thinking that when i was younger like I'm ready for the rejection. I know this is going to be hard and I'm doing it because it's going to be hard. Like there, there's, there's an, you have to accept that element of the thing. Um, uh, otherwise you'll go crazy because it's so much rejection. It really is. But that's, that's part of the gig. Like you have yeah. to know that that's what you're signing. You're signing up to be a full-time, like a person who gets like full-time rejected. And the one time they don't, it's like a vacation and it's like a bonus. You know, that's again, why I love doing regional theater is because it's like my full-time job is auditioning. And when I get that three month gig in, 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 um, you know, Michigan, let's say it's like, oh my gosh, I just got a three month paid vacation. I get to go to Michigan. I get to like yeah. be among nature and I get to like do a show for people that like really, and appreciate you it you love yeah yeah so well that's a wrap so thank you so much Excellent. for joining me today ben my pleasure thanks for having me and thank you to everyone who tuned in so look out for episode eight airing next saturday at 10 a.m eastern standard time stay safe everyone bye